Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. And we're going to talk about the movies we watched this week before crowning the baddest dad and raddest dad of them all. And as always, dad is a gender, not. Nope. Dad <laughs> is an energy, not a gender. Hmm. <laughs> he messed it up. Yeah, I did it the opposite. That's absolutely not what we want to say. You're goofy. <laughs> I am goofy. Speaking of goofy. <laughs> Jeez. And tell a little story before we talk about the movies we watched this week. And we watched four. Well, I guess we actually did watch five, but we're not going to talk much about one of them. Yeah, there's a repeat offender on here that we're, we've talked about <laughs> a few we've, times yeah, now. We've done it enough. Yeah. Um, but there was a, a, little, a little incident this week yeah. uh, where I came home from work and uh, my laptop was out um, on the ca- kitchen counter. And on top of my laptop was my headphones and a pen, purple pen that I like to use. But there was also this like really fancy like ticket envelope. Like it looked like the kind of thing that would have like fancy tickets in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like almost embossed with A24. And you were downstairs in a meeting and I was just like, this is on my laptop. I guess I'm supposed to look at it. Uh, So I did. (laughs) I picked it up and there was something inside and I opened it up and it was a a receipt for an online order with a bunch of cool stuff in it. And I didn't really look too closely, but I saw a couple things. And then I noticed that on top of our cookbooks of all places, um, there was a Last Ma- last Black Man in San Francisco, really beautiful Blu-ray copy. I just kind of continued about my time coming home from work. And you came up the stairs and I said, hey, did you buy a bunch of stuff from A24 for us? God. Did you buy a bunch of stuff from A24 for us, Elliot? Yes. Why are you so upset about it? I friggin' blew it. So (laughs) I, yeah. So I just like fully went all in and went to the A24 shop, which is just a dangerous thing because they have so much cool stuff on there. I want it all, essentially. But I went on there primarily because I wanted to get that special edition Blu-ray of Last Black Man in San Francisco. We talked about it previously, and it is totally awesome. It Mm -hmm. is 
It is beautiful. I want to make like a Instagram story that just features it because it's super nice. But while I was there, I'm like, okay, your birthday's coming up. I know that you like enamel pins. I know that you love the movie Mids- Midsommar. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll do a little early birthday shopping <laughs> and pick up some of these really cool items and then I'll stash them away for your birthday in the summer. So got the package while you were at work. So I'm like, all right, we're in the clear. You're not going to see anything. So I was trying to be real diligent about because it came in like a big box with A24 tape. And then it had boxes within that that were branded A24. And then, yeah, there was that like nice little receipt holder that was yeah embossed. And it was also really nice. So I'm like, yeah, like, it's cool if she knows, like, I got the last black man in San Francisco. Like, I've been talking about that and like, yeah, cool, whatever. That can be out and about. But I wanted to make sure that I hid all of the evidence. So, I, you know, I collapsed the boxes and like hid them behind stuff in the garage (laughs) and like buried the other ones and made sure that you wouldn't see any of that. And then with the receipt, I just like put it down because the cat started to bug. And I'm like, okay, like, buddy, like, just chill and I'll, I'll go play with you. That's fine but I put it down on top of your laptop and then got distracted with the cat. Then I had to go back to work and I just totally spaced out and forgot about it. And then you being a Snoopy poopy decided to just like, Oh, what is this? I don't, I, I take issue with that because I don't think it's Snoopy to look at something that's placed on top of your laptop. Like it, it looked like it was left for like, honestly, what went through my head, like what, what, I, my interpretation of events that made me feel really good, I, I might say, until I found out that that was not your intention, was that you had decided to buy this Last Black Man in San Francisco Blu-ray and then just decided to get a couple other things and just surprise me with them randomly, not for any particular reason. And that that was your way of telling me was like putting the receipt on my laptop that you know I'm going to see when I walk in the door from work. Like. Who out there wouldn't wouldn't look? I don't think that it's not like it's not like I went through your closet and like and just like randomly found it or like was snooping in your email and found the receipt. Like it was on my laptop. Uh, I know, I, I know, ever. I get it. Right? I'm a big dummy and <laughs> I, I feel so silly about it. But like, so you got some early birthday presents? Yeah, because I was like, you can't just like wait until you know three quarters of the way through July to give this to me because I kind of know what it is i actually didn't know everything but i i did see like midsummer pin yeah i got you midsummer pin i got you a hereditary pin i got you a Macbeth pin i got you the special edition oh. blu-ray of mids of midsummer it's so gorgeous which is so nice and i got you um they have like puzzles on there too i got you a puzzle of the chocolate pie from a ghost story which is like also super cool yeah. like i said they have so much cool no, stuff. all this stuff was amazing i i love it all but then, and then you were, like, I was a little, I do like being surprised on my birthday. So I was a little like, so now I just don't get a birthday present. <laughs> that kind of sucks. Um, but then I was like, ooh, A24 has some cool stuff. So I went on the shop. And it was really bad. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. really bad. I even tried, I saw so much stuff that I wanted. And you know what? The one thing that, like, stopped me from bankrupting us was that a lot of it sold out. Yeah. But I even tried to be like good and I was like, well, I'll just I'll just I'll just I'll just fill my cart with all the things I want. I'll yeah. sleep on it. Yeah, this is going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll sleep on it. And in the morning 
I'll see if I still want it. I didn't just like impulsively buy everything right then and there. Mm -hmm. But when I woke up, I I still wanted all the things. Check out, baby. So I did. (laughs) But then I bought a couple of things that are more for you than they are for me. And I said, now the stuff you got me doesn't count as my birthday present anymore. Jeez, saboteur. That's okay. We're going to we're going to be in Halifax on my birthday and you can just like take me out for a bunch of nice dinners or something. Sure. I mean, it does it also doesn't help that literally like this that same day A24 dropped like the triple A24 membership that you mm-hmm. can get that like gives you discounts and exclusive merch and stuff like that, which, which we didn't get. No, but it's like a paid membership and oh man, it is just like niggling in the back of my brain of like, ooh, I might want that. I know I've messaged you and been like, are you going to get it? Like we shouldn't get two, that's silly, but. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that was not the first goof of the week, but it is the first one we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for all the wonderful Midsommar, A24, Hereditary, Ghost Story, all the wonderful things that you got me for my early birthday. You're welcome. Happy By birthday. accident. Happy birthday, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to be 32 yet, so I'm going to just, I'm just going to wait a couple months. All right. I'm really excited to talk about the first movie of the week. I'm excited to talk about all these movies. That's awesome. I think that we get, I'm, I think that we watched some really great stuff this week, but oh yeah, this first one's really great okay. and, and so unexpected. So yeah, I'll give you a little, a little bit of backstory. So like on our first episode ever, which I'm going to assume that like most of the people listening have heard, but if not. It's pretty darn good, and you should go back and listen to it. Yeah, for a pilot, like... We're pretty proud of it. Yeah, chef's kiss. Yeah, so if you have started listening more recently and you haven't gone back, like, you don't have to listen to all of them, but the first one, we're, we're pretty proud of it. You should, yeah, take a take a sweet little listen. But we talked then, that week, you had picked Batman Forever, and mm-hmm. before you pressed play on it, you said, hey, I just want to, like, caveat this by saying I wanted to watch something dumb. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is it Hot Rod? Because you've been trying to get me to watch this movie the whole time we've been together. Not like, it's not like you've been like so devastated that I haven't watched it, but you've been like, we should watch Hot Rod. And I'm like, nah. Mm-hmm. And that's been a consistent thing that's come up. Also, my friends really wanted me to watch it in high school. And I just was like, eh, no, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, then what happened? What happened? What happened was um, I have some very sweet awesome students a handful who who do regularly listen to our show which is like so cool and nice and so sweet thank you to all of all of you yeah. um but one of them who listens every week and is just an absolutely amazing human being that i'm really privileged to get to teach um she said i should watch hot rod soon we were sitting around after school um after classes and she just said like you should really watch hot rod and i'm sitting there kind of thinking and I go, you know what? I haven't figured out my pick for tonight. It's my mystery movie pick tonight. It would make Elliot so surprised if I picked Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. I also wasn't really in the mood. It was Monday night. I wasn't really in the mood for anything like heavy or like too abstract or slow. And I was like, this could this could be a fun kick off the week. But the the most fun part of it in my mind was how you would react to me picking Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. And so I said that. I said you know what? I think I am going to watch. I'm going to watch Hot Rod tonight. Um, And so that's what I picked. It was my pick, but also kind of Cora's pick. Um, So a little uh, teamwork here to to make this movie happen. So we watched Hot Rod. It came out in 2007, so that would have been when we were in grade 12, I imagine. Um, Directed 
Like, this is just a Lonely Island movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Akiva Schaefer and written by Pam Brady. Do you know what else she's written? No. I haven't seen this, but this is another movie that you've several times told me that you want me to watch. It's Hamlet 2? Oh. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? I've, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I mean, it definitely has. It's really goofy. Um, the, the jokes that I remember from it do not stand the test of time. Okay. So I don't know how appropriate it still is. I'm fairly certain last time we moved, we ended up getting rid Chucking of Hamlet 2. Yeah, no. but it was one that you had mentioned a few times. Um, so for anybody who hasn't heard of Hot Rod, the synopsis is that a self-proclaimed stuntman, Rod Kimball, is preparing for the jump of his life to clear 15 buses to raise money <laughs> oh, this is intense. For his abusive stepfather, Frank's life-saving heart operation. I feel like that's a little bit... It makes it sound worse, worse than, than it is. is. It's like his... Oh, is he abusive? I mean, not like... Not really. Rod, just, Rod, just Rod instigates Rod, Rod, it. Rod wants to kick his ass. Yeah. <laughs> okay. the, the, the best thing, like the funniest thing is like the plot of this is like he's doing this stunt so that he can help his sick stepdad get well so that he, he can, can kick, kick his, his ass. ass. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that. We'll get into that after. So it's starring um, Apple of My Eye, Andy Samberg as Rod Kimball, uh, Isla Fisher as Denise, Ian McShane as the stepdad, Frank Powell, Yerma Taconi as half-brother to Rod, Kevin Powell also, Apple of My Eye, Bill Hader, who plays Dave, Danny McBride, Rico, Sissy Spacek. What a fun little addition as uh, the mom, Marie Powell. And then a fun little side character, Will Arnett, plays a, a, a just a guy. He is a guy named babe, Jonathan. Wait, babe, no. <laughs> babe, no. <laughs> so um, it feels weird for me to ask you what you thought of it because I'm the one who had never seen it. But what did you think? What did you think of the fact that I picked Hot Rod? Well, I think that Cora friggin' crushed it by yeah. by recommending that you do this. I like as soon as it came up on screen, I I don't even think like the title card came up or anything. But as soon as like the first frame hit, I w- I was like, no way! I was so stoked. <laughs> you that knew you what picked- it was so fast. Oh yeah, like this movie. I've seen it so many times. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time and yeah when it came out when we were in high school this was the movie that everyone put on at whenever you went over to like a party or like a friend's house or something this was all this was one of the ones that was always on not not for me (laughs) was i just not invited to the parties of the houses clearly not (laughs) clearly not clearly your friends weren't cool enough no throw some hot rod on they were not um do you know what was actually funny? And I didn't tell you this was this was going to be my first pick of the week. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you had first pick, but I, this was going to be the next one that I picked. Wow. Yeah. Did you just like keep that nugget until right now? Yes. That's funny. I, well, it was going to be a hot rod to week. it. Yeah. I, but it's so much better that you picked <laughs> it and that I didn't. Um, yeah. In terms of what I've, I think about this movie, I and, st- and rewatching it now because I haven't watched it in a number of years is that. It is so harmless and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not it's not trying to use like um any sort of like titillating or like negative kind of humor. It's not and it's not trying to like put people down necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't punch down and it's not offensive unless you just like think it's a 
dumb movie, right? Yeah. Like, like if it just offends, offends your sensibilities about what comedy is. But it's, you know, sometimes when we go back and we watch movies that we liked from high school or earlier, we're like, ooh, oh, yikes. Yeah. I sh- probably shouldn't have found this funny. And yeah. I don't anymore. This is, yeah, like it's, it's harmless. Like you said, it's just, it's just funny for the sake of funny. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so good. And the performances here, like you can tell everyone's just having fun. And like, I think that I read that they filmed this over the summer. So it's like, literally they're just hanging out over the summer (laughs) together. Like all these people, like a lot of SNL people. Mm Mm-hmm that are they all get along they're all friends and they're just like they're just having a goof Mm -hmm. like it's (laughs) having a goof this movie is just a bunch of people having a goof (laughs) and inviting you in to have a goof with them yeah what do you think of it (laughs) it was so ridiculous like just so 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 ridiculous like my experience with the princess bride it was a little I mean, less so, but it was a little kind of surreal to see these things that had been so quoted, like Cool Beans, the the what, what, where. Um, Just like the couple moments that I'm like, oh, the too legit, too legit to quit. I'm like, people were saying these. If TikTok had been a thing when we were in Uh, high school, there'd be a lot of embarrassing videos of our friends doing these things on tiktok probably um so a little surreal to be like oh okay like i knew it was from this movie i've heard my friends say this like quote this so many times and now seeing it for real is like a little weird but uh i think what was the most fun for me was just watching your laughter Mm. like you (laughs) you just love this movie oh yeah and like you sometimes you'd be laughing in anticipation of the joke because you like the one where he like was in his bedroom and he Get out. <laughs> yeah. You like you started laughing ahead of time. Like you were trying to keep it in, I think. Because oh, like I man. hadn't seen it before. And then you just would you'd be I think you'd be keeping in this laughter in anticipation of the joke to like let me experience the movie as it is. And then as soon as the joke happened, it would like expel from you with such force because you'd been <laughs> keeping the laughter in. Yeah. <laughs> um so that was it was really fun. And I think because I picked the movie as opposed to you picking the movie, I was just really excited for you to be surprised that I would pick the movie and I was just like ready to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Like this is not a five star movie, but it is for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not a five star movie for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I and that's did... fair. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for giving me permission to have my own opinions. You're welcome, my uh, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my lord. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just a little Courtney Miller from Smosh for you there. Uh, but I did like it. I would watch it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'll quote these things now. Um, it's they, so quotable. These have been quoting around my classroom since since I watched it. Like, the thing, like, this is up there. Like, one of my other favorite comedies, especially um, that have come out of SNL, is, like, is Wayne's World. Mm, and I, 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 you showed me that. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Like, yeah, like yeah. Of course, there's some things about each of these movies that are just they're a product for their time, mm-hmm. and they don't completely hold up, hundred percent across the board with everything. But mm-hmm. like, it's pretty minimal, and it like they're so quotable and so memorable for the for those for those quotes that yeah, you just want to revisit it and just 
wait for those beats to happen like I was doing and you're just mm-hmm. yeah you're just like oh man this is a ride this is hilarious I've heard uh, really good things about the pop star movie I watched it oh it, you have yeah I did not realize that you didn't like it uh, yeah. your face says you didn't like it okay well then moving on from that something that um just I really do like Andy Samberg like mm-hmm. I I liked I liked the Lonely Island like videos they did for SNL and what has he been in other than Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh palm springs oh i liked that movie that was yes cute it was fun and jesse celeste forever oh yeah that's rashida jones yeah that's a cute movie um he's pretty cute yeah he's uh my mom always would make fun of me when i had crushes on celebrities that she perceived as having very large mouths and she'd be like you're too tiny their mouths are too big (laughs) like what so andy samberg is somebody she would definitely say that about if i was he's got uh, a big gob he does have yeah. a big gob, but you have a big gob. This is true. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, takes takes one to know one. All the better to snack with, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> chips and chips and chips and chips. Um, um, yeah. Well, like, and some of my favorite things to watch of of Andy Sandberg are just interviews with him, especially when it's like him and Seth Meyers who are oh, buds. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, I just I love just Andy Sandberg's isms. Mm-hmm. So, and he brings that a lot into Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, where he's playing more of a straight character than somebody who's just like hyper ridiculous yeah. in Hot Rod. That's true. Yeah. I just, I like his brand of humor. I think it's really funny. He wasn't able to keep us watching that um, Bake It. Is that what it's called? Baking, baking It? Baking It. Yeah. We tried. He didn't, he wasn't able to keep us there. One thing I want to say though is like, what's so, what was really, I actually asked you this question at one point in the movie. I was like, are they meant to be adults? I, and they, I think they are because they're like buying liquor and stuff. Like, it's like they are elementary age kids in adult, but they're fully adults, but yeah. they're acting like, like even the way their parents like interact with them. And it's like, it's almost like that movie Good Boys reversed. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, you asked me that question. I'm like, that's a really good question. Cause like, um, <laughs> they act like they're in, like they think they, they're in grade four or five in fully adult bodies, but they are meant to be adults. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> like, Isla Fisher's character is dating Will Arnett's character, who is like supposed to be the like stuffy businessman who actually grew into an adult. Well, then his like half brother Kevin is wearing like pajama sets, like little kid <laughs> pajama sets. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I get getting it. pushed into the van when they're dancing. <laughs> he I has love Heelys. that part. <laughs> he has Heelys. <laughs> I forgot about that. The Heelys. Oh, I hate Heelys. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. But that's like it's that's so I, honestly, I'd rather watch a movie about adults who have the like humor and innocence and belief in the possibilities of the world that children often do as opposed to children acting like adults. Totally. Uh, so like it was. Yeah, it was really like fun and cute and sweet. And the fashion was really embarrassing. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I owned some of these outfits that like Denise is like the character of Denise is wearing. I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, my goodness. This is like. um. It wouldn't have been, would it have been the stuff we were buying from like Urban Outfitters? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Some embarrassed. I'm just like, whoa, like that, that was just, you know, the side part with the side bangs. I'm just like, all of this is screaming the fashion that existed when I was in high school that is just like so embarrassing. So I was getting kind of like secondhand embarrassment from the fact that like when I saw this movie, she would have seemed really hip. Mm-hmm. and she no longer that fashion has not aged well it's like um 
Gwen Stacy in the first Amazing Spider-Man. I'm just like, mm. oh, like she was so hyper fashionable for the time, and that fashion has not stood the test of time. <laughs> yep. And I and I emulated those fashions, which is embarrassing to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, I feel like there could have been a time in my life where you put this movie on and I was a real grouch about it. Yeah. And just like didn't like it for the sake of not liking it. And so I'm happy that like through you know, this mystery movie pick thing that we do, but also through our show, I even am trying to have a better attitude about anything that we watch. And then, you know, having having Cora be like, you should watch this and be like excited about it. Just like combined kind of the approach I had was, you know, this is going to be a silly movie. It's going to be a ridiculous movie and just be on board for that. Just like from the get go, be on board that this is a silly, purely ridiculous movie or I'm not going to like it. Yeah. Right. It'd be like going into Napoleon Dynamite and then being like, well, that was that was ridiculous. Yeah. Which well, like I've done. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do like I mean, for being one of my favorite comedies, the fact that we've gone 13 years and like I haven't like made you watch it or like earlier in a relationship or anything like that or at a time where you may not have been as open to being like, OK, we'll watch like well, let's try Hot Rod. Uh, I I just like that we found this time now <laughs> to share it, man. Cause some good laughs. It was some, and it was a great fun way to start off the week. Um, yeah, because I feel like we start off many of our weeks with something a little bit like heavier or headier. Yeah, it's like look at this cool thing that I'm starting the week yeah, with. Ingmar Bergman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> From Ingmar Bergman Bergman to Hot Rod. Um, so <laughs> a hobbit's tale. <laughs> <laughs> a hobbit's tale. How did watching Hot Rod again for like your millionth time, but the first time with me, how did it make you feel? I think it, just the overwhelming happiness and joy that I had from you picking it <laughs> instead of me picking it. Um, it just yeah, it just filled me with so much happiness and joy. And seeing you enjoying it mm-hmm. as well also just like filled my heart with Smiles and love. And now we can make the jokes together. I'm babe. Kidding. No, babe. <laughs> cool beans. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, it made me just feel goofy. And like, sometimes I want to feel goofy. Sometimes mm-hmm. I want to just have a goof. Um, just have a goof. But I also feel like a little bit more culturally aware now. I feel like this is a time, like a, it, it's a stamp in time that's relevant and that people reference. And, and now I know it. And uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you're finally cool, babe. I'm finally cool. Oh my goodness! Wow, I'm I'm cool. Oh, you're so cool and strong. I'm cool enough to be in the band. Oh, you're <laughs> finally cool enough. <laughs> Great, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun, and I'm likewise. I'm glad that I'm glad that I picked it. It was it was a joy. Totally. Okay. So this this next one we're not gonna we're not gonna deep dive on because we've talked about it. We're not even gonna shallow dive on it. Yeah, we should, probably shouldn't shallow dive. You just crack your skull. But we're not even gonna wade into the shallow end with this. Yeah. So I wanted to go see everything, everywhere, all at once again. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just having like a, a tough day at work, and in the background, I usually have like podcasts or music or even just YouTube videos just kind of running in the background that I listen to. And I was listening to some interviews from the cast of this and it was just like, it was making me want to cry. It was making me happy. So I'm like, I'm just in the mood to go see this movie again. So, and it's cheap Tuesday. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hey, 
you maybe want to go see this again? And at first you're like, no. But then you're then you texted me like half hour later and you're like, I've wrapped my mind around it. Yeah, let's go see it. <laughs> I also had like a bunch of things I had to do at West Edmonton Mall. Yeah. Sort of like, hey, we're already there. Yeah. Well, let's go see it. Um, yeah. So we went and saw it again. We've talked about it to death. Um, still made us laugh. Still made us cry. Yeah. It's still amazing. Yeah. It is for sure in like both of our top five movies we've ever seen. And yeah. It feels like a bold claim to like add something so fresh and new to like your favorite movie of all time. Uh, but it just fully is. There's no denying it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go see it at least one more time. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. In IMAX. In You're IMAX. so excited. Oh, yeah. They're doing like a limited run of it in IMAX this week. And I'm very excited to take our little group of friends that we have uh, to go see it because I think that they're going to really enjoy it. And I'm just excited to see it again. Yeah, it'll be the fourth time. It's going to be great. Yeah. Okay. So great. So let's move on to the next proper one that we had, which was my mystery movie pick. Mm -hmm. Um, So I chose the movie Jackie from 2016. Uh, It was directed by Pablo Larraín and written by Noah Oppenheim. And it stars Natalie Portman as Jackie Kennedy, Greta Gerwig as Nancy Tuckerman, Peter Sarsgaard as Bobby Kennedy. And there's there's a few other pretty big celebrities in here, too, that I won't mention here. Um, the synopsis of this one, following the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, uh, First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy fights through grief and trauma to regain her faith, console her children, and define her husband's historic legacy. So this is a, a sharp left turn from Hot Rod. <laughs> <laughs> big time. Um, but the reason why... I wanted to pick it is because hot of a hot off of our conversation last week, we were kind of we kind of hopped hopped on the grief train and just mm. kind of discussed how much we like movies that tackle grief and do it in an interesting or unique way. And I had seen like this had come up on a few lists when it first came out. I wasn't it wasn't really on my radar because I don't biopics aren't really our jam. Like that's not something we kind mm-hmm. of flock to right away, especially biopics about like American history. Mm-hmm. But. I love Natalie Portman. Like she's she's awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wanted to I wanted to give this one a try because like I I had read some good things about it and had a decent review, so I was I was intrigued by it. But what do you think of Jackie? So I just like never would have guessed in a million years that you would ever pick this movie. Like when it came <laughs> on, I was like, "Really? Jackie? I know you want to see Spencer, which is made, directed by the same person, I think." Oh, is it? I'm pretty sure, but I Christian Stewart, though. I, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> Wait, woo. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I was like, I would never have guessed. Um, so, yeah, like biopics, I feel really weird about them. Mm-hmm. Why? They're just, they're so weird. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I don't know, there's, there's just something that, like, it rubs me the wrong way about real people being portrayed by celebrities and like is it an ethics thing i don't know i don't know what it is but like you know i think i was gonna say everybody knows but maybe not everybody knows that i uh i went through a pretty hard and fast obsession with rami malik phase like <laughs> right like rami malik i would have Left, I would, I would have left Rami. you for Rami Malek. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't leave you for anyone. Um, and like he could do no wrong because Mr. Robot was so good. And he really lost that place in my 
opinion of him when he made Bohemian Rhapsody. I have to be honest. Like, mm. I just didn't agree with the approach. I, I He did a good job. Like, I, I, there's nothing mm-hmm. against his acting, but I just... There's something, I guess, sanitizing about biopics, I find. Like, mm. maybe it's it's the the veneration of a person that that had more warts than the movie's willing to look at. Because there's something mm. kind of all, at least in the biopics I've seen, that feels always already celebratory about it. Like, we're making this biopic to celebrate this person. And so we'll, you know, we'll address a couple things, but we, it always feels... I'm kind of talking in circles here, but there's something about biopics that it feels like it's for the every person. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. And because of that, it can't be the movie. I think it should be. Right. Like it can't be, it like can't Bohemian, be brutally honest. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody should have been in my, in my opinion, should have been much more focused on like, um, like, like the, the, the aid stuff, the, the queer stuff, you know, like I just, and not in this like real schmaltzy I want to win awards way and like a let's look at the difficult complexity of the world like I yeah. I don't know and and I just find that there's I just feel weird about them and yeah I have two questions for you that I can't figure out an answer for is there a biopic that I like that you know of mm. off the top of my head no I mean Forrest Gump <laughs> <laughs> Is that no? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I also don't like that. The scene where Jenny's naked. Her butt. Yeah, it makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> or it did when I was a kid, and now I, it's just stuck there. Hey, Jenny, <laughs> put your butt away. <laughs> it's very Westworld. It was Westworld before Westworld oh, yeah. was a thing. When people just like sit on a stool and their butt gets smushed, and you just see the back of it, you're like, oh, put that away. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. Tuck that away. I guess I, I liked Walk the Line. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't like love it. Yeah. I felt we- I never saw the theory of everything because it made me feel weird. Yeah. Imitation game? But so here, okay, so here's an interesting thing. It feels, and I think there are issues with imitation game, mm-hmm. but that feels less like a biopic to me and more just like a, his, like a historical movie. Right. Because I don't friggin' know what's his, what's his name? Alan Turing? Yeah, like, he wasn't a celebrity. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't famous. Like, I could probably... I was just going to say, I could watch, like, an Albert Einstein biopic, but I don't really want to. Um, you like Harry Potter? Yeah, that's a pretty good biopic. <laughs> pretty good. Hey, man. Voldemort was a nasty... Yeah, boy who lived. <laughs> he was you know, the boy who lived. Um, the other question I guess I have, then, I think the answer to the, is there a biopic I like, is not really. Yeah, I feel like... Like I said, right off the cuff, I can't I can't think of one. So I think we need to spend some time like going into lists of things that we've watched to figure out if there's a biopic. But like, like if a movie is a biopic, I am kind of un- like I'd rather watch a documentary, I guess is the thing. Not that documentaries can't be schmaltzy and celebratory and, you know, and- manipulate the truth and have an agenda. But mm-hmm. I would rather watch a documentary than a biopic. I'd rather watch a documentary on um, Queen yeah. than than the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd rather watch a documentary on Steve Jobs than whatever that garbage Ashton Kutcher movie was that I never saw. Well, it's, right? even, it's even like um, we, we we watched that documentary, The Staircase. Yeah. And now they're making an HBO series out of the same things that happen in that documentary with great people like Tony Collette's in it and Colin Firth's in it, but I'm not interested in no. it because like I've already seen this story 
and like the true like the quote unquote truth behind it that was shown in the documentary I, i'm not yeah i'm not really interested in seeing yeah. people reenact that stuff f- with a dramatic purpose so then i completely agree and so then my, my second question for you is do you think a biopic works better for you perhaps maybe not in the general way, because I know people have different opinions about things and that's okay. If you love biopics, maybe tell us why. Cause like, I just, I can't wrap my mind around them. Um, and maybe send us some, some good suggestions. Some good suggestions. Maybe there's ones not. And I think this probably is on the higher end of like biopics. Like I didn't hate it. Like Bohemian Rhapsody. I was like, Ugh. like yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but do you think biopics work better for you? If you personally know very little about the people that are involved in it or if you know a lot about them? That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever seen a biopic about somebody that I know a lot about. But would you say you know more about... um, Why have I completely forgotten the guy from Queen's name? Freddie Mercury. (laughs) Wow. I'm just like... Who who is the guy that Robbie Malik played? Mr. Mustache. <laughs> Mr. Mustache. <laughs> Do you know more about Mr. Mustache, Freddie Mercury, than you know about Jacqueline Kennedy. Would you agree? Oh yeah. So, in the in the, and I, I honestly I didn't know much about Johnny Cash when I went and saw Walk the Line when I was like fifteen. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even think of any other biopics I've seen. I rem- I know one I want to show you and revisit myself because I only seen Control. It once. Yep. <laughs> That, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ashley's been trying to get me to not trying to get me to watch it, but been saying that it's it's good. We should do a little uh, friend hang. We should because we're all gonna go see um, Peter Hook in yeah in Toronto in the oh, summer. I'm so um. Anyway, this is getting really tangenty, but I think for me it works better if I don't know a lot about them because mm. then I'm not like being like, oh, that doesn't look the way I imagined it, or like, you know, even with Bohemian Rhapsody, like I'd seen footage of the Live Aid concert, and you're you're kind of being like either. Like part of it, I think, is trying to like gobsmack the audience with how close this person sounds or looks to the actual person, which just feels weird to me and un- like the uncanniness of it to me. But in this like really it's like going to like a Madame Tussauds like wax museum, except it's like real life. Yeah. Well, and like I'm starting to kind of get a little bit concerned with just the advent of how they're treating people who have passed away with cgi oh like the deep faking stuff yeah like this yeah like like the princess leia yeah in rogue one kind of thing yeah like and and like i mean it it seems to like it seems to all be star wars stuff right now but like are we gonna get to a point where the technology is so advanced that it's totally believable and we're just getting biopics of these cgi people well, i definitely don't think i would want to watch those and then we're just getting like voice actors like impressionists of these people to do their voices like, honestly i'd just rather watch clone high <laughs> <laughs> holy shit clone high is amazing like that's jfk in that right the ira yeah wanna body platter. so good i think it's coming back and i think so too that's the that that's legitimately the most I know about JFKs from Clone High. <laughs> I, <love laughs> I do not know how. That's so good. Probably not very accurate. <laughs> All right, let's get back on to Okay. Let's <laughs> talk about Jackie. I just like I don't know anything about American politics. Yeah. Really. Period. I don't know much about Canadian politics either, to be honest. But like mm-hmm. especially not historically. 
And so I think like all I really knew is that like JFK was shot and she was wearing that pink outfit and people say she's really fashionable. Right. And the film definitely addresses those two things. But that's all I really knew. Right. And so then I'm like in my head about it with like how much of this is accurate, how much of it isn't. Am I going to come away from this like thinking that like Jackie Kennedy and like JFK are these like amazing people that we should like revere revere but that's wrong right. and like somebody who knows more about american history would be like whoa you were duped by this movie and so then i'm just all in my head about things no oh, interesting okay like i like i just i'm like well i now i want to go and find out like how much of this i should have felt right because it was very effective at making me feel things i will say but i was in my head about how i was feeling mm -hmm. the entire time i was watching it and wasn't able to really be immersed in it had this been a movie about all of these things made the same way with the same actors but it's not real people mm -hmm. i would have loved the movie because it's a good it's a good movie interesting it's a well-made movie yeah big time but the biopic of it all particularly when you talk American politics now and American presidents made me feel weird. That's fair. I didn't, I didn't have any of those kinds of feelings about it. Like I just, mm. I, I kind of, I took it very surface level and mm. like, maybe, I don't know, maybe that, that's just like, I just kind of turned that part of my brain off. But yeah, like, I'm just kind of like, I'm just here to see Natalie Portman crush it. And to like, she I, does. Yeah. Well, like in terms of like, thoughts that i was having i mean first of all something i didn't expect is like this movie made me like uncomfortable and on edge for a lot of it yeah and i think it was a combination of the composition and the framing of the shots yeah. the a lot score. of a lot of close-ups yeah the score um but what i found out about this is like we found it at the end this is produced by darren aronofsky <laughs> and he was supposed he was supposed to he direct was supposed it to direct it yeah and rachel weiss was supposed to play jackie interesting yeah. Which is also interesting because he has directed Natalie Portman, right? He yeah. did Black Swan. Yeah. But I, I got that immediately. Like, it had some Aronofsky vibes. Well, yeah, it was interesting because when, like I said, it it like took me a while to be like, oh, is this Jackie? Because the the opening, the like before you even get the actually, actual opening shot, when like the production company logos are just kind of going by, um, there's a score that starts in the, it's such an anxious, unsettling tone that I actually thought it was hereditary. Mm. And then I was like, well, it's not hereditary because there's no A24 logo. And uh, like, what a weird thing to have this movie, this biopic mm -hmm. about an American president um, and a first lady make me feel that before I've even seen the first shot. And I don't know what it is, right? Like I didn't know it was Jackie until until I like saw Natalie Portman with like the way she was styled, right? I was like, oh, I think this is Jackie. Yeah. Like it, it's interesting because I feel like the music plays a big part in it just tone shifting throughout. Yeah. Yep. Um like because yeah, like I mean, for all intents and purposes, what happens, the assassination of JFK is horrific. So yeah. having those horror genre vibes makes sense here mm -hmm. um it also has like like some thriller vibes but it also has some like really heartbreaking dramatic vibes as mm -hmm. well so like the music play yeah the music i was surprised played such a huge role in that yeah and we so we've watched so much stuff about grief lately and we certainly aren't done watching things about grief this week or forever um <laughs> yeah 
like last week was so grief focused and I actually think, you know, Hot Rod is about grief in a goofy way. You know, yeah. he's grieving the death of his father and trying to feel connected. You know, he he wants to be a stuntman in Hot Rod because his dad who passed away before he ever knew him was a stuntman, right? So, like, it's a I goofy love, grief. I, I love that you're bringing Hot Rod back into <laughs> But this. honestly, every movie we watch this week is about the grief of a loved one. One in a really funny, it takes that in a hilarious way. This is about the grief of losing your husband. The next movie we watch is about, it very, it's, it's, it's Hot Rod, but a drama. Yeah. And then, of course, our final film is pure grief. So, so we've oh been watching God, a lot of... You're totally right. I, yeah, I am. incredible. We'll ta- maybe we'll talk about it more once we've... Yeah, okay. talked about all four of them but sure, sure. we've been watching a lot of stuff about grief lately last week was really grief focused and what i think is really swirling around in my mind thinking about this film and, and i had so many uneasy feelings about it from the biopic side of things but if i take that out out and it was a incredibly well-made movie incredibly mm-hmm. well-acted movie like the movie itself is quite stunning and has some really important things to say when i when i take the real life part out of it mm. and i think What's really compelling me about all these different movies about grief we've watched lately is how grief is both so universal and so unique. And so I thought the way they captured their perception of how Jackie Kennedy would simultaneously grieve the loss of her husband in such a horrific, traumatic way, mm-hmm. with the heightened part of it being that she's the first lady, she's now being kicked out of her home, not kicked out, but she now has to leave her home her children she's having to cope with like explaining the loss of their father to their their really young children and the fact that like grief comes for everyone and it doesn't matter if you are the first lady of the united states of america or you are like you know what are some you know like yeah the, the, in last week you're marina you know a trans woman who deeply loved her partner and now nobody's acknowledging your grief in some ways Jackie Kennedy's grief is like it's made so spectacle that the the real reality of her grief there's no space for that there's only space for the spectacle of her grief and then yeah. when you see those moments that they depict in the film and I'm going to look at them as a fictional thing mm-hmm. but when you look at that artistic lens of those moments where she's really grieving and she can't share it with anyone that's what grief is yeah it's the inability to the hard part of grief is not being able to have another person understand exactly how you're feeling. There's a line in the last movie we watched this week. Like, I just want to die. Yeah. Like that. That's what grief feels like. I don't want to feel this feeling anymore. Just like shut everything off. Right. Yeah. And you get that in this movie through the visuals. Like it's mostly through the visuals and this like, yeah. and, and this these moments of Natalie Portman with no dialogue. It's stunning. Oh yeah. And heartbreaking. Well, like there's two, there's two things I want to share just dovetailing off of what you're saying. But yeah, like one of those moments for me and the, I think like the one moment in the movie that actually like I started getting emotional in was there's a scene um, right after the assassination happens and Jackie is back on air force one and she's looking in a mirror and she's just bawling, mm-hmm. weeping, and she's wiping blood off of her face mm-hmm. and just looking at herself. And it's just like there's no other dialogue or anything. It's just her looking at herself, trying to clean herself up because when Air Force One lands, there's going to be press and people that are going to see her yeah. and stuff. 
And it's just like, she's dealing with the shock and the, like just the despair that she's feeling. And it's so heavy and you start to just be like, Oh man, like it, you put yourself in her shoes and you're just like, this would be unfathomable. Like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with this. Even later when she finally gets to take off that like pink outfit she's been wearing all day and you realize she spent an entire day in like the blood soaked clothes of her husband yeah, because she had to be the first lady. Yeah. Right. It's about not. Be- it's so interesting because it's it's about both not being allowed to grieve, but also being expected to grieve publicly. Yes. And then being judged in how you grieve publicly. But like there's no space for her real grief. Now, I again, I don't know how much of that is accurate, but as right. a exploration of the different ways that grief manifests and the different how whatever whatever conditions a person is in and who they are. That w- that's what makes their grief unique and yet grief is universal. That was really compelling to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think it was really well done. Yeah. Well, and like to what you were saying too, like I feel just also because she was the first lady and like they're they're having, they're immediately like on, on that same ride on Air Force One, they're swearing in the next president. <sighs> yeah. And it's essentially like people are going through the motions of support for Jackie Kennedy and being like, oh, like, we're really sorry, like, anything you need. But at the same time, like, they'd rather just go away. Like, mm-hmm. they, like, just, like, get her out of the house and, you know, like, we're sorry, but, like, without saying it, like, can we move this along? Mm-hmm. Like, grieve elsewhere? Um, Except for except for Nancy, who's played by Greta Gerwig. <gasps> I could have used just, like, a love story between that, the like, two of If we're, like, I'd rather just, like, go full away from biopic, go into, like, <laughs> historical or like um, historical fiction, fiction i guess yeah and, and just like yeah make make greta and natalie portman's characters get together i mean maybe they did in real life we don't know sorry i mean people ah, just kidding um, but uh yeah like i'm i think they did like a really a really great job of just showing again like the dynamics in the 60s of like when something like this is going to going on where it's also like very much still like a men focused world like just in terms of like leadership and mm-hmm. like who gets to speak and who's making things like a part of this movie is her putting together this like tv program and she's being talked over constantly by other men throughout the whole thing and mm-hmm. like she goes through a lot of crap in this movie a lot of really bad stuff yeah i feel like natalie portman just like portrays it to perfection whether or not like you said whether or not it's true or just yeah. hyper dramatized she does a really great job of just showing all of those different emotions in those different states so that that makes me think of another thing that i so part of i think my other like difficulty with suspending my disbelief during a biopic is the like part of the spectacle of the biopic like i was mentioning with bohemian rhapsody and like the live aid show is like look at how much this looks like real life right and they mm. so they're taking these iconic moments or like listen to how much Natalie Portman sounds like Jackie Kennedy or look at how we recreated the fashion. And so that pulls me out of it. Mm. Now, I don't know what the solution is because if it if it didn't sound like Jackie Kennedy, that would also pull you out of it. But they did this thing that happens a lot in, in biopics where they mix real footage with... Um, like newly shot footage. Yeah, newly shot footage that's recreating that footage. And I actually thought it was done in a cool way and a, a really smooth way in this film where like um so i'm thinking of another movie i quite like called selma which you've seen but i teach it so i've seen it a lot more where they 
they put this like real footage in and it, and it looks like footage and then they pull out and it doesn't look like real footage anymore. It just it looks like a stylized film. Whereas in this one, they would put in this real footage. And then when it was when it was Natalie Portman and everybody else, it would continue to look like the grainy footage or it was in black and white or it, um, you know, looks like a 1960s television thing. And that was really cool. Like I, I was like, I couldn't actually tell for a while if it, if any of it was real footage, but then there was one shot where I was like, oh, that's definitely a real Kennedy. That's not Sarsgaard. Um, kind of cool. Yeah. But also then I'm like, I'm, and then I'm in my head about like, oh, how'd they do that? And which shots are real and which aren't? And it's pulling me out of the experience of the movie. So interesting. I, I do not experience that really. Different people. Different people. Different people. So. All right. Um, I, I have a question for you though. Uh-huh. How did you feel about them showing the shooting? I like, I, I really appreciated in like, in the beginning, they just kind of, they put you in that scene, but they don't show mm-hmm. any gory details of it. Mm-hmm. And I actually, once that, that sequence completed, I was like, I appreciate them actually doing that. Yeah. Same. And I thought and I, they're I, not going to show it. Yeah. Cause I, like yeah. the way that Jackie Kennedy recounts it to a reporter mm-hmm. in the movie is far more effective in my eyes than them eventually showing it. Mm-hmm. And I think we didn't need to see the gory yeah. details. That's actually how I felt too. I, because when they earlier in the film, when they didn't show it, I, in my mind, I thought, oh, they've made an active choice to not show this. Yeah. And I was like, I was kind of like, pr- proud is not the right word, but I was appreciative of that. And I thought yeah. that was a really like respectable choice. And then then they just showed it later. And it was very gory and it was very... And I'm like, as someone who loves horror, and I also do like true crime, but I get. Like, we understand how awful this was. Yeah. We understand the effect that it's had on this person. Um, and like I said, she recounts it. We don't necessarily need to see yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt a little complicated about that. I agree. Mm. But overall, how did Jackie make you feel? I mean, just condensing all the things I've already said, it it just made me feel a little unsure. Like, it made me feel like I don't know if what I'm seeing is accurate. It does have this real, like, with the whole, like, Camelot metaphor. Like, I think we're supposed to think wistfully about what could have been if JFK had. And I don't know anything about his politics. In fact, I asked you at one point, was he a Democrat or a Republican? Like, I didn't even know. Um, Nor did I follow up on I it. did. He was a Democrat. um it just made me unsure like how should i approach this film how should i feel about this film but it did make me really appreciative of like portrayals of grief and getting to like think about think about that it also uses a really similar um story structure to a movie we watched like shortly before we started making this show that we're making um called hustlers with like a real event and we're seeing like flashbacks to it intercut with an interview I liked Hustlers better. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, like I I think that's good. And I think it's cool that you got, it feels like you did a little bit of reflection just on your general overall feelings about biopics. Yeah, I think, you know, that that's a me thing. It's not necessarily an everybody thing. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, like I'm not sharing a lot of the same kind of feelings and no. things that were pulling you out of the story as much as, yeah, as much as you're saying you were pulled out of it. But I'm just, I'm just weird. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, for me, like, I don't think it's a film I'll revisit. I'm glad I've seen it. Um, I think you've seen it. it. I've seen it. 
I think it's an important film for Natalie Portman. Like, I think mm. she did really well. I think she was nominated for this and didn't win. But oh, and like she got to reunite with Garden State Sarsgaard. Yeah. Um, and I also just love seeing Greta cast in like more of like just a, a straight role. Yeah. As opposed to like quirky. Yeah. Like like a character that she's written. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought she did a great job. So yeah, agreed. Um, made me just like happy for happy for Greta. Mm. Um. Yeah, but let's get into this. Was a second surprise of the week from you <laughs> for our next movie. Let's get into it. Yeah, who who even am I this week? What the heck? But who heck? are you, Jackie? <laughs> weird. Weird week. It was a weird week. Um, so I yeah I picked the movie Creed for my second mystery movie pick of the week. Um, Creed. I did not get a year for it. Did you write down a year? Twenty fifteen. So Creed came out in twenty fifteen. Um, directed by Ryan Coogler. And written by Ryan Coogler and Aaron Covington, starring Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed slash Donnie Johnson slash different combinations of those. Um, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa and Tessa Thompson as Bianca. The synopsis for it is the former world heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa serves as a trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival Apollo Creed. I can't even tell you why I picked this movie. <laughs> I looked at my watch list and it. It called out to me. So yeah. I picked it. Nice. It was a great pick. I really, I, I love Black Panther. Mm -hmm. I have been wanting to see Fruitvale Station forever. Haven't still. So yeah, I just picked Creed. And you love Mikey B. Jordan. I do. I also, I did not know Tessa Thompson was in this. Neither did I. What a, what a gift. I'm in love with, you know how I'm in love with Jimmy Fails? Yeah. I'm also in love with Tessa Thompson. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that more later. But yeah. so I picked Creed and I think, yeah, I picked two sports movies. Like, what even am I? <laughs> I hate sports. I also love considering Hot Rod a sports movie. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Two sports movies about sporty boys with dead dads. What <laughs> even am I doing? So what, what did you think of Creed? So, yeah, like I said, I saw the title card and I was just like so surprised that this was coming. I think like <laughs> I thought it was a horror movie at first, like this gritty typeface and stuff coming up. I'm like, oh, what is this? Well, you you figured it out because the opening sequence is with a young Adonis when he's in like a juvenile detention center. Mm -hmm. And you figured it out right when they say something. He's like, you knew my father or something or like what was his name? And you're like, oh, is this Creed? And yeah. then like Creed came up. So. I'm surprised you thought it was a horror movie because well, I thought you'd think from the opening that it was kind of just like a like a like a really like a drama. No, the gritty type just threw me. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, okay, when's the Bloomhouse production popping up? <laughs> Not a horror movie. Um, I thought this was awesome. Yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought that yeah, you know, I thought our main babies like the Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> Tessa Thompson. Freaking Sylvester Stallone were so Whoa, good. Yeah, in this. so good. Okay. And, and, okay. So, so we need like we need to talk about the fact that you this is your first movie in the Rocky <laughs> universe. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I think I've seen three. I've seen the original Rocky, I've seen the second one, and I've seen the fourth one. Interesting. And then yeah, I, I hadn't seen Creed before. Um, but you haven't yeah, you haven't seen <laughs> Anything. No. So you have no, no like information at all about the Rocky. No, no. I I knew the music, like dun 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 dun. dun, 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 dun. Is that it? Yeah. Um, and I knew like the stairs, and I knew Sylvester yeah. for Stallone was in it. I knew it was. Is it a boxing? Yep. That's, okay. Yep. I get like confused between like. There's lots of things where people are in a ring punching. I get confused about them. Wrestling, whatever. 
boxing. This is about boxing. Um, I knew those things. Right. That was it. About mm-hmm. Rocky. Um, yeah, like I, I can't explain why I picked this movie. Other than I like Ryan Coogler and I like Michael B. Jordan. I guess that's mm-hmm. that's it. And I'd heard good things about it. Um, at first, I was like, what have I done to myself? Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't really sold at first. And there's this um, thing that that the stylistic choice that Ryan Coogler made like early in the film as like uh, Donnie is going into different training centers and we'd like they'd show a person then it would have like this like the the film would stop and then this like stats stats would come and it was in that same like gritty font. I was like, oh, I could have done without that. Okay. Is that from the Rocky movies? Not that I recall. It was I saw those a long time ago. Because like that's the thing. I don't know what's being done as homage. What's being done? I still don't. Right. I picked yeah. I picked up on some stuff, but because you haven't seen any other stuff, and we might potentially watch Rocky movies. Yeah, you don't want to say I much. Don't say anything. Well, so yeah, that was the thing. At first, I was just like, oh, what have I, what have I done? Sports movie. Why have I done this? It was once Rocky and Creed connect. I was just all in. Yeah, I loved it. Like. It it goes in a different direction and it's not about sports at all. It's about relationships and connections and loss family. and fam and chosen family and and how you work through trauma and support people through trauma and like building a name like legacy and it's like it was not about boxing. Yeah. I mean it was, but it wasn't. And um the cool thing about it for me, as you know, like I I don't like watching sports. I don't like playing sports. I don't like talking about sports. And so I'm not interested in a movie about sports. Mm -hmm. By the time we got to like the big boxing scene, I was so in. Like, did you notice I was like gasping when things happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, who who even am I? No, it was it was awesome. Like, I mean, this definitely follows a very familiar sports movie formula. Totally. Yeah. Um, Well, maybe. I don't know. But, like, that's what makes it fun. Like, that's what gets you to buy the ticket. It's what you're talking about. It's the relationships and the world building that happens around those relationships that make this so great. When I had this perception of the Rocky movie as being this, like, hyper macho thing, the character of Rocky in this movie is, like, really gentle and really, like, wise Mm-hmm. really thoughtful and then i said to you is that what the original rocky is like and you said yeah and then i was like well maybe i want to watch the original rocky then mm-hmm. i thought it was just some like numb nut sports movie <laughs> no yeah i mean there's not a lot of boxing in this movie but what's there's pretty cool actually yeah pretty pretty fun because yeah. that one shot oh, your favorite this movie has a couple wonders in it and y'all you either know or you should know. I love one shots in movies. You want to know something that's going to make you really happy? Please. It was an actual one shot. No, yeah. no, no hidden cuts. No hidden cuts. So they did it. They filmed it several times as a one shot. Hell yeah. Really impressive. It's so great. Yeah, it's a sequence with one of the fights in the movies. It's in the movie. It's so cool. Yeah, I, I love it. Really, really, really great. Yeah. And um, Tessa Thompson's really good in it. So good. Like her character is meaningful like it's it, it really is donnie bianca and rocky like they are the and the dynamic between the three of them 
um, and how each of them connect, like how Rocky and Bianca connect with Donnie in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Tessa, t- I want to see more that she's in. Like, so I love her as Valkyrie. She's a total babe. Um, but that she was so good in um, Sorry to Bother You. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, like who? I need more from Tessa Thompson. She is fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, totally in love with her. Um, like this movie, it has no business being as sweet as it is. It's so sweet. It's kind of like how we were surprised by the unbearable weight of massive talent where it's like, there's actually so much gentleness to the relationships in this that I really didn't expect. I thought it was going to be like a sports movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know, it has the Ryan Coogler, I'm going to say signature, like I know, but like, you know, in Black Panther music is like, um, like not score, but like soundtrack mm-hmm. is used so well. And like, that's done here too. Like some of the things I really like about Black Panther, I see the stylistic similarities. Um, but yeah, there's just like a gentleness and a, and a a fundamental look at like how you become who you become and who you surround yourself with and make a family with that is just mm-hmm. like absolutely stunningly beautiful. Oh yeah. It's it's so great. And like I have to say like I I haven't seen nor have I sought out many Sylvester Stallone movies. No. Cuz I I feel like I just like I I write him off as just like you know, action movie guy. Mm-hmm. But like he, like Michael B. Jordan was great in this. Tess Thompson was great in this. But we've come to expect them to be great. In exactly. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, Sylvester Stallone crushed this. Like his character, like the Rocky in this movie was, was so good. And like, he was so gentle and kind mm-hmm. and he, like he, he under, like he was not perfect by any means. Like he was a he was a very flawed individual mm-hmm. who's all like working through his own trauma and grief and just like dealing with life after being a professional boxer, mm-hmm. um and like losing important people in his life and Sylvester Stallone just played that role so well. I mean he created he created this like he he wrote and directed and starred in the original Rocky movie like yeah. he started this whole thing so it's clearly something he's really passionate about so. The fact that he was not a writer on this and that it's being taken on by Ryan Coogler now, who's wanting to tell this story featuring Michael B. Jordan, that like he feels connected enough that he'd mm-hmm. want to be a part of this project. is pretty cool. Well, so two things. One is that I, I read in my post watching research that like he did have to really be convinced about this because he had kind of as a creator of the story of Rocky, he had put that story to bed. Like he had finished it. Yeah. But that in talking with Ryan Coogler, he, he was convinced to come on board, which is really cool. But I also think like, this is when we have, when you and I have these conversations that we've, it's, I think it's come up on almost every, every episode so far is like, who's telling whose stories. Mm -hmm. This feels like the collaboration that needs that, you know, Apollo Creed and his son, Adonis Creed, that story really probably shouldn't be Sylvester Stallone's to tell, even though he created the original character. But those movies were about Rocky, and this movie is about Creed. Yeah. So to have Sylvester Stallone involved, I believe he was producer, right? Yeah. And I I mean, I would assume that Ryan Coogler loves the original movies. Yeah. Like, there seemed to be a real love for the franchise here. Mm-hmm. But then to pass that on to Ryan Coogler to tell this story and to create this new world, 
like that's collaboration. That's where you people tell stories together. That makes just it just makes me really happy. It makes me really, really happy. Well, and I like I'd like to believe that that must have been just such a treat on set for Ryan Coogler to be working with and directing and being able to pick Sylvester Stallone's brain about the character of Rocky and just like the Rocky universe in general and talking about all of these characters involved in it. Like that must have just like that must have been just such a cool experience from Ryan Coogler's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. So how did this movie make you feel? So nice. It made me feel so nice. It was so sweet. Um, I'm so stoked that Ryan Coogler was able to make this. I want to see Fruitvale Station as well, but like, I'm so glad that this is what brought him into the MCU and is now making the Black Panther movies. Um, I'm stoked to see Creed 2. And it also made me want to revisit the Rocky movies with you. Yeah. Because like, I barely remember them. But Who would have ever imagined that I'd be like, I want to see Rocky? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, so, you know, the thing that it made me feel is just so invested. Who can imagine that this little person who hates sports could get that invested in these characters in this story? I cared so much about Donnie. Yeah. Like so much about him. The only other sports movie I've ever liked that I can think of right now is Bend It Like Beckham, <laughs> which like right. I probably just love for all the queer coding in it, right? When I was a little 12 year, 12 year old. Um, so like I'm just, yeah, so impressive that this movie made me love it so much and highly recommend. Totally. I'm right there with really you. Really good. Awesome. Let's get into the last movie that we watched, which was actually born from a mistake. Yeah, born, <laughs> born from... Sounds so intense. Yeah. Born from a mistake. <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> the story goes, we were going to go see, we're all going to the World's Fair. That mm -hmm. was the plan. Is playing at our favorite movie theater, Metro Cinema, which we like to talk about. Um, and originally we were going to go see it on Saturday night, which is tonight. Mm -hmm. That was our plan. Um, but then some things changed around and we have a very important birthday campfire to go to for one of my very best friends Tabitha and that is more important than a movie at Metro so we were like no big deal we'll go see it on Friday instead mm -hmm. can't see it on Sunday though it's only playing the three nights for some reason I thought it was playing at 9 30 and so we head out the door later than we wanted we wanted to leave at 8 45 we head out the door at nine because I'm taking forever trying to resell some concert tickets and not being able to get it to work <laughs> um we are on 109th Street, if you know Edmonton, we're on 109th, just passing White Ave. We're so close to the theater. We don't live that close to it. And I see some students that I knew were going to the movie that night. I see one of them rated on Letterboxd. And I'm on my phone and I'm like, well, how have they rated it already if it hasn't started yet? Mm -hmm. And so I quickly look and I'm like, oh, my goodness, it started at 7. And it is 9.18 right now. Whoops. You were very gracious and nice about... The fact that I messed that up, I think your your response was, ah, that's okay. We got to drive around and listen to some music, yeah. which was very sweet of you because I felt really badly. Um, so we didn't get to go see We're All Going to the World's Fair and we won't get to see it. Um, not in the theater. Yeah. So then we, you know, we were stuck with not having had planned a mystery movie like who, for that night. And um, we had wanted to see a horror movie and we kind of plucked around plucked is not the right word we kind of just like looked around on shutter for like 20 minutes which is exactly why we do mystery movie picks because yeah. oh boy that's not fun oh man it was just like oh i don't know what to watch and so i had actually suggested i think probably 
stemming from how I originally thought Jackie was hereditary. I was just like, maybe let's watch hereditary. Also, you just bought me the cool like Tony Collette Annie pin from A24 in my mind. Um, and so we were like, yeah, let's watch hereditary. So that's what we did. We rewatched hereditary 2018 film directed and written by Ari Aster starring the incomparable Tony Collette mm-hmm. as Annie Millie Shapiro as Charlie, Gabriel Byrne as Steve, Alex Wolf as Peter, and Ann Dowd. Oh, oh Ann Dowd mm-hmm. as Joan. And the IMDb synopsis is a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. So we've seen this film more than once. Yeah. Um, we There's no mystery movie pick. We just said, yeah, let's watch Hereditary. I suggested it, and we we both thumbs up it. Um, what'd you, what'd you think of our, I think it's our third time watching it. It is. And I want to say that the first time we saw it, when we went to see it in the theater, it was one of the worst theater experiences that we've ever had. Yeah. Really, really disappointing. Yeah. I think we went on like opening weekend. You'll see, we were very excited for it and like heard some really great things about it. Um, but yeah, the audience was brutal. Um, they were people that there were people that were talking. There's like a, um, there's a sound that they make throughout the movie that's like, and mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie, people just kept making that sound unsolicited mm-hmm. over and over again. I think we moved seats. Probably. Like, I think, yeah, like we moved, we found somewhere further away from those people. Like the whole audience was just vibrating with the wrong kind of energy for this movie. Yeah, and I think they did the like bursting out laughing. At a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it was brutal. And like, I think that it definitely kind of tainted the movie which is like it's a shame it, it is yeah. totally because we i remember being really excited for hereditary like mm-hmm. the way that we had been really excited for everything everywhere all at once where we like have known about it forever have been like counting down to when it's coming out like we were like that with hereditary we were and, and ari aster wasn't known no. then but we saw the trailers we liked tony collette a lot still do and we were just like this movie is gonna rock Mm-hmm. And then the combination of the theater experience with also like the ending of the film not quite being what we th- thought it was going to be combined with the fact that then there's everybody in the theater is laughing at the end of the film. And like if we'd been watching it on our own, I that's not I think how we would have interpreted it. No. Just yeah, really impacted I think our initial view of this movie. Yeah. So when we finally got to rewatch it at home much much better experience Mm -hmm. um and yeah like i mean this isn't by any stretch my favorite horror movie but it is one of my favorite horror movies 90 percent of it is my favorite horror movie yeah i get that and because of that it is one of so my i'm quite proud of my letterbox review of this did you see it i did why don't you recount it for us here Uh, i don't have it in front of me but it was something like 90 percent of this is a perfect horror movie and 10% of it is a different kind of perfect horror movie. Combined, it's an imperfect but pretty spectacular horror movie. Yeah. But again, like, we talk about this a lot. Um, in terms of Ari Aster, you're either you're either a hereditary person or you're a Midsommar person. And we kind of fall into the latter half Yeah, a little bit more. Midsommar is like, well, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Whereas Hereditary is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Yes. So there's a difference there. So, I mean, like, the stuff I'll say about this movie is kind of the low-hanging fruit stuff. I mean, the acting is impeccable <laughs> from everybody. And I know, like, it's very divisive. Like, some people really dislike some of the acting throughout this movie. 
I think it's incredible. Everybody is totally awesome in this. Um, but like this movie has like very like skin crawly spooky shit that like it just gets under my like it has a lot of the stuff that like really scares me in it. And yeah, it it, it still gets yeah. under my skin. Ari Aster just says and Midsommar makes me feel the same way. It just has this ability to like make me feel dread. And so uneasy. Mm-hmm. But I like like it so much. Yeah, I agree. Like, like this movie. And I do remember the first time, even with the crappy audience, feeling really unsettled. And like there were some movies that really, there were some moments that really scared me. And, you know, it's it's almost really hard. To, this is the first movie I feel it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a moment in this movie that like the first time you see it, if it hasn't been told to you, is so shocking and unexpected. And especially if you like, you know, if you don't know anything about Ari Aster, like then going into Midsommar, we were expecting some of these moments, but not knowing anything about him when we went to see Hereditary, only having seen the trailers, this moment that happens so early in the film is just so shocking that it is one of the best things I've ever seen in cinema. Oh, yeah. And I think if you go in not knowing anything about, I think it it was the combination of having seen the trailers mm-hmm. that that really made that shocking um, and horrifying, like hor- horrifying, horrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm just like the the performances that Ari Aster is able to pull out of his characters to like lingers on them. Like there's a lot of lingering shots in this. Like he loves to do a slow pan like mm-hmm. across a room, so you're just. You're seeing the whole. You're space. waiting for like what's going to show up on the edge of the screen as we move further and further order, yeah. over, and sometimes nothing does. Yeah, right. Like something I was thinking about, you know, this being our third time watching it, having thought a lot about it because some people, some people like this movie better than Midsommar, which I usually call Midsummer, but recently we watched an interview with Ari Aster and he said Midsommar, so yeah, I'm I, gonna, I'm gonna respect him. Yeah, I was always like Midsommar, <laughs> pretentious. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, if that's off. the name of the movie, that's the name of the movie, All but. Right. You know, I really don't think this movie is scary because Midsommar is not scary. It's it's not scary. No. What I like tell I'd like to know from a person who's scared of Midsommar what is scary about it. I actually think this movie is just as not scary as Midsommar, but it's coded as more scary. Yeah. Right. Like it has these things that if you're a horror movie person, or even just if you know anything thing about horror movies that cue us to be prepared to be scared yeah but it often doesn't deliver on the scare Mm -hmm. and so it almost tricks you into thinking it's scary but it's really not there's only one moment with like a music sting and a jump scare that even got me yesterday and i knew it was gonna happen (laughs) um and it kind of reminds me of the way i feel about haunting of hill house Mm -hmm. where like the first time i saw it i like wanted to shit my pants like the whole time i'm like oh my god this is so scary I think we've watched that three times as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not scared at all when I watch that anymore. At all, at all. Love the horror in it. But. Oh, yeah. And 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 appreciate the moments that did scare me the first time. But it's not scary on a rewatch, right? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful on a rewatch. Um, and heartbreaking. Both like, haunting. Yeah. Even more so on a rewatch. Oh, I, yeah. I feel. yeah. And both Haunting of Hill, Hill House and Hereditary. I, I don't love the endings of them. For yeah. me, they didn't stick the landing. I know some people, they, they do, and love those of you who, who it's done that for you because I would love to feel like those are two perfect things. They're so close to perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am able to appreciate what the ending is 
and not just be like disappointed in it and, and rewatch yeah. like this third time watching hereditary i second time i was just trying to watch it without interruption and not not be disappointed right both by the ending and by the audience this third time i was just like thinking metaphorically about what the film is doing right i actually think this film has just gotten better for me every time i've watched it yeah i agree and some horror movies just get worse every time you watch them this one yeah. i like i see more and more of the like the thematic stuff in it yeah and and the filmmaking stuff that's so good like this time around i really saw the family trauma yes yes i do. really saw that idea of trauma is like a hereditary trait that is passed down in festers i was really paying attention to tony collette's dialogue in the film and the way she reads that she does the line readings mm -hmm. this time around the dinner scene made me so uncomfortable not from just a like performance point of view but like thinking about what is being said by annie so messed up oh yeah like if you were sitting at that dinner table as a like non-active participant you'd be gutted by yeah totally by gutted saying. and the dynamic that you see between annie and her son peter in that moment like and i it's not that i didn't get those on the first two watches but i was really sitting with the collective arc of the character of annie even prior to the film's beginning and then thinking about the way she's acting particularly in regards to her children and the things she's saying and Ari Oster's a genius. Yeah. Like, even though the ending is not my favorite thing, this movie is genius. Yeah. I agree. I wanted to, I wanted to say too, like those things that are sticking out, what actually stuck out for me. And I was noticing a lot more this time too, was just Gabriel Burns character. Mm. Like I just felt hyper-focused on him and like what it would be like to be in this scenario where all of this stuff is going on with my family and it's so traumatic and so awful. And and also just like so many questionable things are happening with my partner and with my children. Mm -hmm. And like, how do I deal with this? How can I hold the family together? Mm. Um, and he's he's so like, maybe too, like he just seems, he seems like an internalizer. And oh, you, you connect with that. And I connect with that. When all of this stuff is going on, he is silent for a lot of it. And I can just imagine like, his head is probably racing. Like what's yeah. going on in his mind is going like 100 miles an hour. And the moments when he finally does say something or like not snap, but loses cool a little bit. Mm -hmm. When you're when you're paying attention to that, it's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. There's a there's a scene that I don't know that I'd paid much attention to on previous viewings with um, his character, which what's his character's name? Steve. So with Steve and the son, Peter, in a car. Um, coming back from something like pretty messed up that's happened. And that scene actually parallels to me another scene in a car from the film. They're parallels of each other to me in that like one is really frantic and deeply upsetting and tense. And the other one is feels like more of a like decline from like the ramped up stuff that we just saw. And it's much quieter. Mm. And yet something happens in that scene um, at a, uh, like, and, like nothing happens, but something happens at the lights where you realize how easy the first scene could happen again. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, gave me empathy for what happened earlier in the film of like how, 
I don't know. I, I actually thought that was a beautifully twinned parallel scene that I had never caught before. Yeah. And then that's a moment where like Steve breaks down a little bit. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, I, I mean, I want to talk more about it, but I can't without spoiling things. I, I like, I like you pointing that out though. Cause like to like, I couldn't, I couldn't articulate what it was that it made me feel, but yeah, that scene hit me a little bit harder Yeah, and everything you just said. Yeah. That's exactly why. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I, I just have a feeling the more I watch this movie, the more I will like it. Yeah. The ending is such a, div- particularly the ending is very divis- divisive, even with. Within ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And even within people who like, like the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, forget the people who don't like the movie, whatever. Like you totally, you're totally fine. It's not your jam. It's not your not jam. Not your jam. But there's people who love the ending yeah, and people who don't. And we kind of fall into that camp of like, it's not that we hate the ending, but like it doesn't feel like a stick the landing ending. Right. But now that I know the ending, when it reaches the point where this film actually just goes all out batshit, I'm so pumped up and ready for it. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. And, and it oof, there are just a couple of things that, you know. I've watched clips of them, but then I've also seen the talked about it a lot. And now this is my third time seeing the film, but like they still get me where I'm just like, ooh, there is a sound yeah, near yeah. the end of the movie. Then I'm just like, and the way the sound is described in the subtitles, oh, yeah. you're like, ooh, yep, that's what <laughs> Why? it is. Yeah. And then there's another sound that follows, and it's just like, oh. Yep. Ooh. Um there's there's something uh you read me a review from the uh, the letterbox user. Emily Rugburn, um, who gave it five stars and mm-hmm. we're not going to recount it here, but it's a really great review, um, that just kind of delves into how the gener the, the multiple generations of our parents, you know, like our parents, their parents, et cetera. Um, really like, it's just a, it's a long line of them fucking us up down, down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just thinking about how each generation I feel, especially like our generation and maybe like the, like the Gen Zers that are coming up and whatnot. Like I feel like we try to break that cycle as best as we can. Um, at least that's what I'll speak. I'll say for myself. And I feel like this movie highlights that albeit in a hyper fictional way of how hard breaking that cycle can be. Yeah. So something, something I read that Ari Aster said is, So two things. One, he said that this is a film fundamentally about suffering. Mm -hmm. And secondly, he said that this film is about the corrosive effects of trauma on a family unit. And his goal was to make an Ouroboros quality of a family that's eating itself in grief. Yeah. And so to speak to what you're saying here is like this idea of even when you recognize it and you want to stop it. These traumas run deep, these unspoke i feel like this film does such a good shot job of showing you or not show, but reflecting i think something that a lot of us and i think me and you can relate to certainly is just like the things that are passed down that nobody talks about yeah and how it's the not talking about it that's the thing yeah that eats away 100 percent. yeah that's what it is and like i think you and i since the last time we've seen hereditary have done so much more work personally and in our relationship to think about like how we've become who we are and you know our histories when we were children and and wanting to break certain cycles or or learn or or develop new ways of doing things and communicating and and building building new kinds of relationships with all the people around us 
I think this film spoke to me more in like what it's trying to say of what happens when you don't do that work. Yeah. And it is, that is the scary part of it. That's the scary thing. Yeah. Well, I, I like it, like it make it makes me think of my dad and like the stuff that he did and like having conversations with him about like after having the affair and like him saying like, that's what, you know, like, He's talking about like all the work that he did as like a father and like he modeled himself after like his father who like didn't talk about their feelings as well, which what is what my dad did. So like then, you know, that was also imparted onto me and my upbringing. So I, I've had to work really hard to learn how to talk about if something's upsetting me and talk about my feelings and put that out there. So yeah, like again, trying to break that cycle, but like confronting those like that that hereditary um just passing down of poor communication or Mm. no communication at all of how you're feeling or conveying unhappiness or wanting change or whatever it is and and where these things came from right like yeah they they come from traumas right like you have is it a great grandfather that immigrated from germany yeah and you and and worked with horses they he said yeah I, my family has done a very strategic job in skirting the fact that i'm we think at least well i think that i have some relatives that were nazis and you just don't talk about it but imagine yeah. the the trauma that exists there mhm and it's just dripped its way down yeah and it doesn't get talked about right and we i you don't have something like that jealous right because like i think this film does a great job of showing the specificity of this family and then through the the you know the metaphors that are happening by using horror as the vehicle to tell this story Mm -hmm. that does it in such a way that i think when you're looking for it and when you because you can just watch this movie like we talked about with starship troopers like you can just watch this as a fun horror movie it's a great fun horror movie Mm -hmm. in fact you'll probably like the ending better if you look at it that way yeah but if you're looking at this from this other lens that Ari Aster has, which is there in Midsommar as well, there are some really universal things that this opens conversations about. So, about yeah. what happens when we don't have conversations about these things. And the film becomes the way to start that conversation. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's, this is exactly why I love genre movies. Mm-hmm. Because you're able to put so much heft and so much relatability and something so human and package it in a horror movie i just like i think that's so I, yeah i i feel like that's so much better than like handing it to me on a platter and like mm-hmm. a, in a nice little oscar bait which is interesting package. though because I've, I've read that originally this wasn't going to be a horror movie that ari aster had written it as just a family drama right the deaths would have been there mm-hmm. but not um not the other not the other stuff <laughs> Uh, and then he, and Midsommar was always envisioned as a horror movie. Interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, somewhere along the line, he, you know, kind of morphed this into a horror movie too. And I think that that must be. Maybe that, he's that, just really bad at what his intentions are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it, it takes me back to a Robert Eggers conversation last week where like Ari Aster has made two horror movies. So I felt more confident that he's going to just make horror movies. But I don't think, I don't think that's what he identif- how he identifies 
the work he wants to do. And so Ari Aster. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like looking at that, this wasn't originally meant to be a horror movie that tells me that he's not solely focused on horror. I have a feeling though, that that discomfort, that use of metaphor will exist in all of his work. And so I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll go see all of his stuff for sure. Unless he does something real strange and you know, Mm -hmm. right now I really like him. So I think we could probably talk about hereditary forever but we'll we'll cap it here with how how does this movie make you feel? Uh, it still makes me feel icky. Gives me yeah. the wiggins. This time around, it made me real sad mm-hmm. and just like real heavy. Um, I love it. It's not it's on my fave, like I said, but I do love it. And like I'm super excited. Like Ari Aster's next movie is called Disappointment Disappointment Boulevard, and it has Joaquin in it and Parker Posey, Amy Ryan, and Nathan Lane. Oh, I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued. I know, like I I have like a real like love hate with Joaquin. Like I think he's amazing, but I also think like he makes some weird choices mm-hmm. just like outside of his films. Um, but like I'm excited to see because Ari Aster gets such great performances out of his character, especially his lead. Character. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see what he can pull out of Joaquin and some of those. I did want to I did want to read this one thing, which is this is a quote for like line by line quote from the IMDb trivia for Hereditary. The fact that Tony Collette did not land any Golden Globe or Academy Award nominations for her performance in this film was generally regarded as one of the worst snubs of the year. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. like her performance, Florence Pugh in Midsommar, Ugh, like which we'll talk about at some point. They're both the yeah. best, which again, like I said, makes me really excited for what he's got in store yeah, with this next one. Totally. Yeah, this film makes me feel unsettled. It makes me feel really, really icky. And and I agree with you that the more I think about it and look at it from a different lens, it makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. So now we move to the time. It is that time. Let's talk about bad dads and rad dads of the week. Who is your bad dad nominee for the week? My bad dad nominee for the week is Tony Collette's character of Annie Lee. Nailed it. Yeah, I, have a, yep. I just have this feeling that we're going to be Same spot on for both. spot. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what I have in my, in my thoughts about this is that I do empathize with how her own trauma has made her who she is. Mm-hmm. But she is such a shitty parent. Yep. And like you were just talking about, we can empathize with the inherited traumas and cumulative experiences that have made a person have particular difficulties in their lives. But there seems to be no desire to reflect on and break that cycle Mm -hmm. from Annie. She's so hyper-focused on her own grief at the, the, you know, after the kind of the big things happen that she's doesn't allow anybody else to grieve or acknowledge their grief prior to those moments she is so terribly detached as a parent she's unaccountable as she's screaming at everybody else about the things they're doing wrong she totally fails to see what she the part she plays she is a gaslighter and sometimes quite literally and she wink wink, <laughs> wink, wink nudge nudge she is really throughout the film focused on her own needs at the expense of everybody else. And I do, I empathize with her. Mm-hmm. I feel her grief. This is the film where, you know, she says, I just want to die. And I feel the heaviness for her, but she is such, such a bad parent. Uh, there's not much more I can add to that. Uh, yeah, I agree. She, I think as a parent, she fails. So Tony Collette, we love you, but Annie Lee. Kindly stick, stick it. it. Okay. 
rad daddy i feel like we got, <laughs> i feel like we got the same one here as well yeah. i picked rocky balboa yeah sylvester yeah. stallone also, from creed i also picked rocky balboa i mean he's just my guy like i just feel like he he's willing to like see me succeed and push me to be the best version of myself that i can be um he believes in you know limitations and being able to recognize those limitations and it's like and he's also you know he's willing to be called on his shit mm -hmm. like he's he's not closed off to that even if he has like some his own kind of general opinion or thoughts on how something he wants to do something he's open to somebody else's perspective who cares about him as mm -hmm. well um and i think he's yeah he's a beautiful person who's seen a lot of stuff <laughs> he has a lot of passion you can see throughout the movie that like his com like he cares about community mm -hmm. and and family the people within that and then yeah like bringing people into that community that he's um welcome into and a part of so yeah, yeah. beautiful yeah i said gentle supportive one of the things that really stuck with me again was that like he has flaws he is complex he makes mistakes but he's vulnerable and and transparent when those things are brought up not always immediately but who of us is um, willing to accept and offer help and uh, I agree like I just think I was also just so shocked that I fell in love with the character of Rocky Balboa um, but he, he's wonderful yeah so he's great so Rocky, Rocky Balboa, Balboa here. Sylvester Stallone <laughs> get me out I'm so excited be our dad <laughs> beautiful okay so we're running a little long again. So the thing we were going to do for our rad wreck last week and push to this week, we're going to push to next week because it's a longer piece yeah. and we want to give it the time it's, it deserves. And we really thought we'd have the time. We purposefully only watched four movies this week. So we would have time to talk about this. Who knew we wanted to talk so much about Jackie and Hereditary <laughs> and well, Rod? <laughs> what happens happens. Cool you know? beans. Um, so I'm just going to give you a... Um, a quick rad wreck, and that would be double check your show times before you leave for the movie. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good call. Maybe a day out, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, pre-buy your tickets ahead of time, and then you'll really know. Yeah, put it in your phone, put it in your calendar. It, ask Siri to make a quick reminder yeah. for you. Um. So yeah, double check your show times. Know your plans. Be prepared. But love the uh the. The, the being respectful if someone makes a mistake and <laughs> loving them anyway. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another rad rack. Don't leave your receipts out for your gifts that you were hoping somebody would hey, find yeah. out about. You know, just just be better with, uh, yeah, keeping, keeping secrets so we, and surprises. <laughs> so that's the rad rack. You know, be mindful. But if someone makes an oopsie. Be kind. Be kind. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. We have a new episode that comes out every Thursday, so you can join us for some more laughs and giggies. Um, you can follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram at baddad.raddad. Also, throw us your suggestions for any really cool bi biopics that might change our minds on biopics in general. Um, you can also get a sneak peek at what we've been watching over on our individual letterboxed accounts. Our usernames are Elliot Cuss and Kylie Burton. We'd also love you forever if you could drop us a rating, review, or give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. We also uh, recently started a Twitter account. Why did we start a Twitter account, Kylie? We have a 
really major goal of having Elijah Wood on this show. We think he'd be so good. Yeah, we think he'd have a good time. Yeah, like we think he'd really get along with us. Like we both lis- recently listened to the episode of him talking with David Lowry on the A24 podcast. And the way that he talks about movies is kind of how we talk about movies. Yeah. So it's a perfect fit. A perfect fit. So we legitimately only started a Twitter account because that's the social media he's on. We only have 10 followers right now. You know, we I have for- 10 followers. We do. <laughs> Good for uh, us. I, one of them is Metro Cinema. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and... I've forgotten how to use Twitter since I used it a lot back in the day. So if you do have a Twitter account, please follow us and maybe help spread the word about our show if you like it through Twitter so we can kind of get some following on there so that Elijah Wood takes notice. Our, yeah, if you're um, close to Elijah Wood or if you are Elijah Wood. Yeah, if you are listening, Elijah Wood, we would love to have you on the show. Yeah, please. <laughs> be our dad. <laughs> be our dad. But our uh, Twitter account is just at baddadradad. Real easy. Um, so we would super, super appreciate if you followed us on there and taught me how to use Twitter because I don't know how. Yeah. So likewise. <laughs> we barely know how to use Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. So until next time. I'm Kylie and my dad's dead. I'm Elliot. And my dad's a deadbeat. But remember. Not all dads have to be bad. Mm-hmm.